I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. Turkey is urging the creation of a buffer zone inside Syria. That's a safe area where the United Nations could protect people displaced by the Syrian conflict. Turkey has a lot at stake in the matter. Some 80,000 Syrian refugees are already in Turkey, and U.N. officials say up to 5,000 more have crossed the border each day in recent weeks. The Turkish proposal for a buffer zone was quickly dismissed, though. In a rare TV interview today, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad called the idea impractical. Those refugees are fleeing a conflict that has killed an estimated 18,000 people since it began last year. Many thousands more have been wounded. And those who care for the injured in rebel-held areas take huge risks to do so. Anesthetist Rachel Craven of the Bristol Royal Infirmary in England used her holiday leave this year to go to Syria. She worked there for the relief group Doctors Without Borders, also known as Médecins Sans Frontières. For security reasons, she can't describe exactly where she treated patients. All I can really say is that we're in the the north of the country in a a rebel-held area and that we're working in a house that's been converted into a a hospital. But from, from the outside, it just looks like a normal house. And remind us why the secrecy on where you were. We're, we're there illegally. MSF, um, Doctors Without Borders, uh, contacted the Syrian government and uh, and did ask for permission to, to work within the country, but but that was refused. However, we felt that the, the needs within the country were such that we couldn't really accept that. Mm. Uh, it's something that Doctors Without Borders does very occasionally, maybe three times in the last 30 years. But in this case, they felt that it was necessary. So this hospital looks on the outside like a home. What's on the inside? How well equipped uh, was it? So on the inside, downstairs, there are reception rooms that have all been converted. So one is an operating theater. We have a resuscitation room, a recovery room. Uh, The kitchen has been converted into a sterilization area for all the surgical instruments. We have an emergency room in the courtyard. And then upstairs, the bedrooms have all been converted into wards. All the equipment has been smuggled in over the border, and it's basic equipment, but it's uh, very well suited to the environment given the, the problems of electricity supply. And it does allow us to, to really perform most types of surgery that are necessary in that context. The UN estimates the number of people who've died in the Syrian uprising to be over 20,000. Uh, there'd be many more injured. Were you worried about what you were getting into, and and is what you saw at this hospital suggestive uh, of the casualty rate? The flow of patients uh, into the hospital would be very variable from day to day. Um, That was partly due to just what was happening. So if there was a battle locally, if there was shelling locally, then then you would obviously get a, a big influx of casualties. There's no ambulance service or a very limited one. Um, most of the patients are arriving, uh, you know, on a mattress on the on the back of a pickup truck. So you can only imagine that that perhaps a quite a large proportion of people who might otherwise be saved are are actually dying en route to facilities such as ours. You can't really plan um, because you you don't know what you're going to have in the next few minutes. And there's always a, an edge of insecurity. Mm. Uh, you don't know are you going to be able to stay there. You know, you always have to think if if you had to evacuate which patients can be discharged, who do you need to take with you. So so there's quite a different range of problems. And sometimes I gather it's not just the logistics. A lot of Syrians have stopped going to hospitals, apparently. Why is that? There's a a lot of fear that um, certainly if if you go to one of the government hospitals and you have uh, injuries from either shelling or gunshot injuries, especially if you're a young man, you might be considered to be a rebel and then you you could be in danger. Were you treating a mix of fighters and civilians? 
yeah, I would say it was probably around about 50-50. You do sound like a doctor who, you know, has to get into these situations and has to remain calm and, and objective. But maybe you can just tell us about one case, uh, one individual where you, you kind of stopped in your tracks. There was a, a young man who was brought into us. He'd, he'd come in in the back of a, a pickup truck. Um, it was late at night. He had been shot in the neck. The story we were told was that he'd been um, trying to escape from Aleppo uh, with his family. When he arrived, he was very distressed and, and semi-conscious because the, the gunshot to his neck had caused a lot of bleeding, which was swelling and, and pressing on his his airway. So he was having a lot of problems with his breathing. And he also had, uh, unfortunately, a, an injury to his C-spine from, from the bullet. So even though we were able to save his life from the point of view of his, his breathing, you know, he, he had a, an extremely severe injury. We eventually managed to, to transfer him out of the country. But, you know, he was there with his, his wife and a, a very young child. And, uh, you know, you realize that the future for that family had really just been wiped out. Dr. Craven, what would have happened to you and to this undercover hospital if it had been discovered? I mean, did Doctors Without Borders have a contingency plan for you? We had an evacuation plan. If we had been discovered, it's it's very hard to to know what would have happened or, or what would happen. And, I mean, you, you hope that you'll just be left alone, <laughs> but uh, you don't know. You know, that the rumours on the ground are that hospitals are a target you know, obviously we're we're not taking any risks there, and we're uh, we're trying to keep extremely quiet about about the location of the hospital. I just want to know, while your colleagues go off on summer vacations and sit on beaches, why did you go to Syria? Why'd you do this? For me personally, you know, I find it extremely rewarding and and challenging. Whilst obviously there's very grim aspects to the job, there are also very positive aspects to it as well. So, you know, I find for me it, it adds quite a lot. Anesthetist Rachel Craven of the Bristol Royal Infirmary in England, speaking about her work in Syria with Doctors Without Borders. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you.